Let's for the next few seconds just give God some praise right now. Lord, you are great, God. You are awesome, God. That's it. You don't need music to give God praise. You don't need music or song to give God worship. Lord, we worship you today right now, Jesus. You are awesome, God. You are great, God. That's it. For the next few seconds, let's just let that praise rise. Let's allow our worship to be intentional rather than emotional for the next few moments. Lord, we need a moving of your spirit in this house today, God. We need a moving of your spirit in this hour right now, Lord. We need you to move in the lives of young people and young adults and adults alike in this service today, God. Move in this house today, Lord. Amen. You can be seated. Um, Thank you so much for the opportunity to be here. Uh, Great turnout, man. Great turnout. Thank you all for being here. Um, as a youth pastor down in Metairie, I know when you plan events, um, you always tell yourself it's not about number because it's not because whoever's there is meant to be there. However, it is a little bit disheartening when you put effort and work and money into something and there's more people on the platform than there is in the auditorium. But thank you for being here. It's not like that tonight. And uh, I know uh, your youth leader, Brendan, appreciates that very, very much. And I know everyone here that worked hard appreciates that very, very much. Um, I want to give some honor to uh, your sectional presbyter, Brother Johnson, um, for allowing all of this to happen. Everything kind of funnels through him. Um, and then it was already said, but Pastor, uh, Pastor Murphy, thank you for allowing us to be here tonight. Um, I, I know there is an incredible amount of stress and strain on a church staff. Um, and the facilities, whenever there is a, a youth rally or something, everybody has to figure out who's going to clean the church. Uh, is it your turn to clean or my turn to clean? Is this my weekend or your weekend? There's a special event. What do we do? Oh, my gosh, we have to vacuum. There's a uh, throw up on the ground. Oh, no, we didn't do that. Youth rallies in 30 minutes. Hurry up, vacuum, whatever. Um, I've been there. I've been there. Um, so thank you for you and your staff and your team that have opened up this wonderful facility. Um, let's give a hand to them for just allowing you to be here and opening up their home. Uh, so that you can have a move of God. Uh, thank you to my good friend, Brandon. Um, no, I didn't get it wrong. Don't worry, I got it. I know what's up. Uh, I thank you for, for this invitation. Um, and then I want to give honor. He's obviously not here, but my pastor, Pastor Tommy Parker. We actually have a, a children's revival at my home church right now. Where that's actually where my wife is. Um, so I miss her, but uh, she definitely got the short end of the stick. She is leading worship uh, with children, like two children with nothing but junior high kids. Um, so she is definitely, definitely earning her crown right now at this very moment. Um, and I'm not there, and our other guitar player is not there. So she is just rocking and rolling with a, a young keyboard player, an old bass player, and a random drummer. And, uh, and, she, and I know she's doing a great job. Uh, but I wish she was here, but she's not. But that's okay, because God is here. Amen. And if you are here, you are here for a reason. You're here for a purpose. You could have done anything on a Friday night. And you're in the Baton Rouge area, so there is plenty to do. And you chose to be here because I believe that you believe that God wants to do something in you tonight. Do you believe that? Amen. Amen. I want to get into this. Um, I will be, if you want to follow along with me, you can stay seated. But I'll be reading from Matthew chapter 11, verses 23 through 24. Um, so I'll get to that in a second so you can stay seated. It Wasn't this worship team awesome? Didn't they do a great job? Thank you guys uh, for leading us into worship. Just a message to the worship team and any of you who lead worship or do anything with worship. Don't underestimate 
um, the seed you are planting in your worship sets. I think sometimes in an apostolic church, we think that if we're not like rolling on the floor and snotting and, you know, running the aisles and the preacher can't even preach because the, the Shekinah glory has fallen so thick in this place, then we kind of had a weak worship set. But the idea of your, your praise as an audience member and their praise and worship as a, as a worship team is to till the ground so the word can go forth. So singers, uh, musicians, whatever, whatever you do, uh, if you tilled the ground and you softened the hearts of people and you allowed uh, the word to fall on good ground, you did your job. You did a wonderful job. And tonight they did that, and I thank them for that. Um, God speaks to me in weird, random ways. Like, I'll, just, I'll be totally honest with you. Like, I wish so desperately that I could tell you that God comes down in a cloud of fire and speaks to me in Hebrew, and I understand it magically because that's how spiritual I am, but that's not how it works. In fact, in this message, God actually spoke to me, Lord forgive me, while listening to a sports podcast, um, an ESPN podcast, and God spoke to me. And as crazy as it sounds, it is, it is true. Um, I was listening to this show, and they were doing an interview with a man from Australia in a little town called Batesman's Bay. And the reason he was on is because his town had been overrun by giant bats. Now, when I say giant bats, I think we have some pictures up. If y'all could fire those up for me. I don't think you're understanding the scope of, of how big I'm talking. I'm talking giant bats. Not bats. Bats. They are huge. These horrifying creatures. Okay, first of all, like, I understand, like, from Google and stuff, like, Australia looks beautiful. I'm never going. Never in the history of Everdom am I going there to this just apocalyptic wasteland, this, like, portal to another dimension of monsters. Like, I'm not doing this. Like, period. Like, they're, like, okay, kangaroos, like, do not belong on this planet. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, prison-jacked kangaroos. Like, just pull-ups all day. Like, in some alternate universe, they are the primary species of dominance. Like, that is in Australia, and these are also in Australia, and they're horrifying. These things are called gray-headed flying foxes. And they can have a wingspan to up to five feet and can weigh between five to ten pounds. Right? And it was said that Batesman's Bay, (laughs) this is horrifying, was inhabited by over 100,000 gray-headed flying foxes. The locals couldn't even go out after sunset, and if they would, by the time they, were, uh, they came out in the morning, their streets and their homes were filled with, let's just say, undesirables, um, to keep it as PG as I can. Dookie. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Guano. <laughs> streets full of it. Full of it. And so it was asked, how did this happen? What caused the infestation of giant bats that took over Bateman's Bay. And the man responded, it only started with a few. And we assumed they were harmless, so we let them in. But a few quickly became 100, and 100 became 1,000, and 1,000 became 10,000. And before we knew it, we were being held hostage in our own community by these giant winged creatures. And it was here that God spoke to me, that Bateman's Bay, their number one problem was not, not their bat control. Their number one problem was not taxes or any of those things that we think are problems in communities. But their number one problem was complacency. Complacency. They became comfortable and complacent with small issues they viewed as harmless. They became comfortable with a little bit. Because how bad can these things really be? And before they knew it, 
Something that seemed small and insignificant grew and completely took over every aspect of their lives. It affected their jobs. It affected their homes. It affected their community because they allowed one small thing in and they grew complacent. And that's what I want to preach to a group of young people, young adults and adults here tonight is the curse of complacency. There is a curse that comes with being complacent. And if we're not careful, this spirit of complacency can make its way into our walks with God. And it's here that I pick up in Matthew 11, verse 23 and 24. And this is Jesus speaking. And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted to the heavens? No, you will go down to Hades. Awful place. For if the miracles that were performed in you, check this out, had been performed in Sodom. Y'all remember Sodom? Place got lit up. Just doesn't exist anymore, just because God said so. If the miracles performed in you had been performed in Sodom, it would remain to this day. But I tell you that it will be more bearable for Sodom on the day of judgment than for you. Which means Sodom and Gomorrah, the place that got burst into flame because God said so, is in a better place than Capernaum. Jesus is saying that if all of the things you had seen, Sodom had seen, it would stand to this day. And we read in this portion of scripture that Jesus is essentially cursing Capernaum. And the question is why? Because Jairus' daughter was raised from the dead in Capernaum. Jesus drove out evil spirits in the synagogue and casted out demons in Capernaum. Their paralyzed would walk. The palsy would be healed. And the provision was given through the mouth of a fish in Capernaum. Capernaum was no stranger to the moving of God's spirit. They were not unfamiliar with miracles, signs, and wonders. And yet Jesus tells them that if, they, if these things had been performed in Sodom, it would stand today. Jesus goes a step further and declares that Sodom is going to find itself in a better place than Capernaum. And what would cause Jesus to react this way? It is the curse of complacency. And Capernaum was called to repent in verses before this. And yet they refused. They refused to repent for their complacency. For their lackadaisical attitude and their apathy towards the things of God. They were comfortable exactly where they were. And though they experienced miracle signs and wonders, it never prompted them to go any deeper. They became comfortable with moves of God. And even though Capernaum was said to be near You can look this up. It was always near the home villages of Peter. It was near the home villages of Andrew, James, and John, but yet no disciples ever came from Capernaum. No men of God were ever birthed from Capernaum. They were always close. They were always near movings of God's spirit. They were always near men of God, but never desired to go any deeper for themselves. And in, the fa- in fact, the word Capernaum literally translates into a city of comfort. They became comfortable with the things of God. And Jesus himself, now we tell ourselves all the time, well, if I lived in the Bible days, if I heard Jesus speak, if I saw miracle signs and wonders, there is no way I wouldn't live for God. I'd be on fire every single day. But Jesus himself walked through the streets of this city, city, showing his glory and power. And yet what stands there today is nothing but ruins, nothing but broken down reminders of what could have been. It was cursed by its own complacency. In Galatians 3, and 3, it says, Are you so foolish, after beginning by the means of the Spirit, are now trying to be finished by the means of the flesh? 
And we as the church are called to be spiritual beings. We are baptized in the name of Jesus. We are filled with the Holy Ghost and we are born again, not in the flesh, but in the spirit. And just like continued growth physically is a necessity, it is even more important in the spirit. But sadly, sometimes we fool ourselves into thinking we can manufacture spiritual growth by carnal means. We think that because we come to church twice a week or a random youth rally on a Friday, that that's enough time with God. Prayer meeting is enough prayer. Listening to Caleb on our way to school one time is enough worship. We become complacent with where we are and we stunt our own spiritual growth because we're complacent with our relationship to God. We become comfortable with Sunday to Sunday moves of God because we've seen miracle signs and wonders. We've seen people's lives uh, dramatically changed by the power of the Holy Ghost and yet we become comfortable. We become complacent with, with what's happening around us. And this is the danger of complacency. Because we, we can become complacent with the things of God. We find our prayer time dwindling. Our study of the word of God becoming less and less. Our worship and praise becoming confined to a pew and dictated by a genre of music. That's why you have to have cheerleading worship leaders. Because they're trying to yank you out of your seat because you're complacent with being right where you are. I'm good. I get to go to heaven. But I hate to break it to you. If you live your life. And the only reason you live for God is because you, you don't want to go to hell, then you won't make it to heaven. You have to desire to be close to God more than you desire not being with God. You have to desire to be in God's presence forever in heaven than you do not wanting to be there because you're scared of hell. And this is where we find ourselves more often than not. We become complacent. We are living spiritual beings. And just like physical beings, if you are not growing, you are dying. There are seven characteristics of life. And if, if, if an entity, if a, if a thing of matter does not have all seven characteristics, it is not alive. It is either dead or it is inanimate. And one of those things is growth. You must grow. Something that cannot grow is either dead or it doesn't even exist as a living being. And so spiritually, if you are not growing, you are not a living being. You are dead. You are a corpse in the spirit. And this is the danger of complacency because it is impossible to stay right where you are. Your walk with God is like a treadmill. We think sometimes that we can walk a little bit, then stop, take a break in our walk with God, then walk a little bit more. But your walk with God is not a, a static path. It's like a treadmill. If you stop, you're only going backwards. You cannot stop. You are either moving forward in your relationship with God or you are losing your relationship with God. And this is the lie that complacency will tell you is, hey, you've done a really good job up until this point. Let's take a break for a second. Take a bit of a breather. Get your bearings, and then you can hit it, you can hit it again next weekend. I know you've been doing a lot for God, but let's go ahead and take this weekend off, and we'll hit it again on Monday. That's not how that works because complacency will set in, and it will kill you. You will either continue to grow and stretch in your walk with God and, or your relationship will God, with God will die. There is no third option. That's why the Bible tells us what is of the flesh is contrary to the spirit. And what is of the spirit is contrary to the flesh. If you wake up every single morning and your flesh is comfortable with your walk with God, you are living for God wrong. Your flesh should hate your walk with God. 
And that's how you know you're doing it right, because your flesh will always be in contradiction to your spirit and your spirit in contradiction to your flesh. Because, see, complacency is defined as a feeling of smugness or uncritical satisfaction with one's accomplishments. And complacency is pride. When you feel as though you have arrived in your walk with God, you are prideful. And the Bible says those who are prideful will be taken down. It's feeling like you are exactly as close to God as you need to be without desiring to push any further. And see, complacency is the enemy of faithfulness. And on that day of judgment, when you stand before Jesus Christ, we all know what we want to hear. Well done, thy good and faithful servant. But without faithfulness, you will not see God. And complacency is the enemy of faithfulness. Faithfulness says daily, I pick up my cross. Complacency says, I've picked up my cross enough, I can take a break today. Faithfulness says, I want to read fast and pray more today than I did yesterday. Complacency says, I'll read fast and pray when I can. Faithfulness is your push to get more of God, whereas complacency is attempting to maintain what you've always had in the past. Faithfulness is being content with what God has given you, but determined to give him more. Whereas complacency is content with what you've given God, but determined to get more for yourself. Second Peter 3 and 1, but grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Young people, let me go ahead and debunk this lie. You can never pray enough. You can never love enough. You can never worship enough. You can never fast enough. You can never give enough. You can never pursue the things of the kingdom enough. No sacrifice is too great. No cross is too heavy. You always need more of Jesus. I always need more of Jesus. I will not be satisfied with a Sunday to Sunday feel good, but I want God to do something in me. And in this house tonight, there are young men and young women who are called to missions. You are called to be pastors. You are called to be soul winners. You are called to be evangelists. You are called to lay your hands on the sick and they are healed. You are called to prophesy. And yet, complacency will hold you back from all the promises of God. Because all those things come with a cost. If we do not daily, daily, fill our souls with the pursuit of God's righteousness, we will spiritually starve and die. In Matthew 5 and 6, it says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Or another translation says, they shall be filled. And that's the funny thing about being thirsty and hungry. I'm thirsty and hungry right now, at this moment. The funny thing about it is, after this, I'm going to go get some grub and totally stuff my face. And probably by the time I get home, I want some more grub. I'll probably get candy or something on the way home because I'm 11, apparently. Because I can't go on a road trip without eating snacks. I'm 27 years old, and I have to get, like, a Slim Jim and, like, a Coke. And I'm just like, well, it's a road trip. I have to do this to my body. You don't. I don't have to do that, but I do it because I I hunger and thirst after uh, gas station food, whatever. If you eat one meal, you drink one glass of water, you find yourself satisfied. You find yourself filled. However, it's not long before you begin to to desire to eat more or drink more. And we hunger and thirst for righteousness. But just like one meal will not quench your hunger forever, neither should one experience with God forever quench your spirit. 
One experience with God should not be enough. God, I want you to speak to me every day. God, I want to have a move of your spirit every day. God, I want to walk through the halls of my school and be used of you, God. I don't need a platform or position to have a ministry. Ministry is something you birthed within me, God, and I just want to be whatever it is you want me to be, God. Jesus. Complacency is not giving God any more. Because you feel like you've already given him too much. But faithfulness is giving God everything you have left because of all he has already given to you. Be faithful. Be faithful. Because the truth of the matter is, if you're here tonight on a Friday, the enemy will not try to tempt you, for the most part, with drugs and alcohol or, or trying to yank you off your pew and get you into sin. Chances are, if you're here on a Friday, you're pretty committed that you want the things of God. You're not always going to be perfect. None of us are. But you desire the things of God. If you're here tonight, that's what that means. You desire God to do something. And the fact of the matter is the devil's not going to tempt the people that are here right now to try to yank you off your pew and get you in a bar room. However, what he will do is try to make you complacent. Because what he'll do is plant little, small things in your life that don't seem like they're that big of a deal. And he'll watch you get more and more comfortable with the things of the flesh that you begin to ignore the things of the Spirit. I tell my young people this all the time. The flesh and the Spirit cannot coexist. Every single thing you do, hear me now, every note of music you listen to, every movie you watch, every TV show you watch, every book you read, every podcast you listen to, every relationship that you have will either glorify God and strengthen your spirit or it will strengthen your flesh. Period. And I think sometimes we try to balance it. We try to say, well, it's not that bad of music. Does it glorify God? No. Then it's not of God. It's not of God. And it's very, very easy to say, but very, very difficult to do. But young people, I'm telling you, that is how you have to approach your walk with God. We have to stop looking at God as right and wrong and begin to say, is it spiritual or is this carnal? Because here's the deal with right and wrong. Right and wrong is subjective. What's right to you may not be right to that person down the street. We see that all the time in politics. Everybody has their idea of what right is. Right and wrong is subjective, but carnal and spirit, that's not subjective. That is written and that is forever. And let me just tell you, until that day you get to go to heaven and your body is glorified, you will always battle your flesh in relation to your spirit. And so every decision you make, every time you decide to wake up in the morning and instead of hitting your knees in prayer, you check Instagram for 45 minutes, that's a carnal decision. Every time you come home from school and you have a couple minutes that you can maybe crack open your Bible or do a 10-second devotional, you decide to play an extra round of Fortnite or whatever it is you guys are playing now, that's carnal. Now, you're probably freaking out because you're like, oh, my gosh, I can't do anything. i got to lock myself in a room with no windows, no walls. Like, I can't do anything. No, but you have to be careful. You have to be careful. I love sports. I love music. I love all of these things. Like, I, I have fun. I enjoy my life. I love video games. I do all of these things. However, the second that begins to take more priority over my relationship with God. Growing up as a young person, I loved sports. Like, I, I played them all. I played every sport, and I was relatively good at them. I hate to break it to you. <laughs> as you can tell, I'm not a pro athlete now. But that's because my parents instilled priorities in my life. If there was a game on a Wednesday, I didn't play in it. If there was a game on a Sunday, I didn't play in it. Why? Because the kingdom is important. The kingdom matters. 
And the, and the sooner you in, in your own life begin to say, God, your kingdom matters more than anything else, that, that, that curse of complacency will begin to diminish, and what will replace it is anointing. What will replace it is anointing. So what is the solution? I'm always, I always try to end on a positive note. This entire time I've been trying to warn you about the negativity of complacency. But let me end on a pos- positive note. What's the solution to complacency? Well, in the story of Batesman's Bay, it actually does have a happy ending. They don't just, like, forever live in a bat domain. See, eventually they would figure out a way to combat complacency, and it was with fire. The residents of Batesman's Bay would begin lighting small, controlled forest fires throughout their surrounding forest where the gray-headed flying foxes were calling home. And eventually they became so uncomfortable with the smoke and the noise and the sound, that they didn't have to kill them, they didn't have to hurt them, they didn't have to throw things at them. They just left because they became so uncomfortable because everything around them began to get so burnt up that they just left. If you find yourself in a place of complacency this evening, I implore you to try lighting a fire in your spirit to allow God to turn, to burn up, Some things tonight holding you back from pressing as far as you desire into the spirit. Begin to smoke out some of those addictions. Begin to burn up some of those negative relationships. You you probably can't really grasp it right now, but you don't understand the detriment negative relationships have on your life. I'm not talking about girlfriends and boyfriends. Those are bad enough. I'm (laughs) I'm talking about the people you choose to build relationships with. Now, a lot of times you preach stuff like that, and people are like, well, how can I witness to them if I'm not friends with them? Man, you know what I'm talking about, bruh. When it's a two-way of influence. You influence your friends, they don't influence you. But when you begin to become in relationships where there's a two-way influence, those relationships are reserved for people in the kingdom. I influence you, you influence me. Those are kingdom relationships. You don't allow those relationships with the things of this world. So yes, you do your best to influence those outside of the walls of this church, but you don't allow anybody outside of the walls of this church to influence you. Because your relationships matter, and some of us need to burn up some of those relationships because they're hindering you. If you, <laughs> if you come to a youth rally or a, a camp or whatever, and you have a moment with God, and God speaks to you and says, hey, I've called you to Africa, and you go to the group of your closest friends, you say, I believe God called me to Africa, and they laugh at you, bump them. Bump them. You don't need them. Bump them. They're just holding you back. They're mad because they don't want to live after their calling. (laughs) They feel bad that you're actually doing something for God, so they don't want you to do it either. Bump them. Get you some friends that are like, hey, you could do it. Hey, you can go to Africa. Hey, you can teach a Bible study. Hey, we'll do it together. I hold you accountable. You hold me accountable. Let's go to heaven and let's reach everybody we can. Get you some friends and some relationships that are kingdom-minded. We need to burn up some negative relationships tonight. We need to smoke out some music, some TV shows, some movies that are interfering with your walk with God. This is very simple stuff, but it's hard. I am 27 years old, so I am not old, but it is very hard, very, very difficult, especially because somebody like me, I love music. But I can tell you right now with all sincerity, and this isn't being prideful, but I'm just, I'm giving you a testimony. I, I do not listen to anything not Christian. I listen to Christian music, podcasts, and preaching. That's it. 
And that's not because I'm like super spiritual. It's because I know myself and I know the things that I'm putting into my heart and into my mind affect me. And I don't want anything in there that's not of God. And I'm working on the podcast thing. It's a slow progression. (laughs) It's a slow progression. I'm kind of getting away from some of the carnal stuff and getting all spiritual, but I'm doing my best. I'm a work in progress just like you are. But there has to be something within you that begins to burn up some of that junk, some of that stuff. There needs to be something that burns up within you that when you pop on that show on Netflix and they curse, you say, nope, not of God, don't want it. But that's a decision you have to make, young people. That's a decision you have to make is how bad do I want God? How bad do I want this ministry? How bad do I want this anointing? How bad do I want this destiny from God? Or will I allow myself to be complacent? But tonight I speak against complacency. I don't believe you will be a complacent church. I don't believe I'm talking to a group of young people that are just satisfied with getting by. But I believe we are a part of a growing church that is going to pursue the things of God every day. And in the time we live in today, we will pray more than we've ever prayed. We will fast more than we've ever fasted. We will worship more intensely than we have ever worshipped. Because I believe we will not be complacent, but we will be on fire for the things of God. And God, tonight, as we all stand, musicians, you can make your way up. I believe God tonight is calling us to a deeper level. God is calling us to intimacy with him. You cannot be a part of true biblical intimacy with God without commitment and covenant. We try to treat like our relationship with God like Camp Bay. Anybody had a Camp Bay? Camp Bay is? Camp Bay is like, hey, I'm here for a week. You're cute. I'm cute. What to do? And then you bounce. <laughs> and you're like, peace. I broke up with a camp baby at email one time. True story. I was like, to whom it may concern. Uh, <laughs> I'm not making that up. It was before we had, like, texting. So I had to, I wasn't going to call her. What are you? I'm not brave. I'm a coward, total coward. But God doesn't want to be your camp bay, Right? Because to obtain what you're wanting from God, to attain a true anointing, to obtain your true destiny, God desires commitment and covenant. Commitment to the things of God. We can no longer treat God and the things of God like a casual fling and expect to return the benefits that only come with commitment and covenant. Any of you who are part-time employees, you know part-time employees don't get no benefits. (laughs) Your benefit is your paycheck. Your little paycheck. (laughs) You get benefits when you're a full-time employee. You get benefits when you're willing to work overtime. And God is desiring to give us benefits of spiritual things, but he is desiring and requiring commitment and covenant. And it's that complacency that will try to hold you back from those things of God. It's you being okay with right where you are. Because let's face it, Stepping out on that spiritual limb can be scary. Walking up to that person at your school that you feel is hurting and you know God gave you a word for them and giving them that word is horrifying. I understand. Trust me. I get it. But that's commitment. That's faithfulness. That says, God, your kingdom. God, your will. God, use me. 
We pray all the time. If you're anything like me growing up, you pray all the time, God, I want you to use me. I want you to use me. And the only way we think about that is either I'm singing, I'm playing music, or I'm holding a microphone preaching. But every single moment of every single day and every single interaction you're having, God is desiring to use you because you are the vessel that will bring revival. Revival does not come because we, we have... 10-week-long services, and we just call it revival. Yes, God can move that way, but you know why God moves that way? Because people bring people. You are the vessel God wants to use for last-day revival. But complacency is trying to strangle that. Complacency is trying to strangle your covenant. Complacency is trying to strangle your anointing. But I speak against complacency tonight. And I'm going to continue to speak, and I'm going to continue to to give instruction, but I, I just feel it in my spirit. Just the altars are open. If you're in a place right now where you're already feeling compelled to give God some things, this is your opportunity to do it. If you've been complacent with your walk with God, tonight, before you leave, before you walk out of those doors, you can rekindle that relationship with God. You can get yourself back on track with the things of God. You can light that fire that burns up complacency before you leave this building right now. We can no longer be complacent with normal church prayer. We can no longer be complacent with services over, the preacher asks us to stand, we pray for five minutes and we go home. We can no longer be complacent with normal worship services. Because if we're not careful, we'll be just like Capernaum. You all go to apostolic churches, I'm assuming. I, 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 I'm willing to bet that Sunday to Sunday, Wednesday to Wednesday, you have some powerful moves of God. But if you're not careful, you'll be just like Capernaum. You'll be right next to the move of God, but you yourself will never be birthed a disciple. And that's not God's will. That's not God's will. God's will is that you are all used. God's will is that all of your hands are anointed. God's will is that all of your feet are anointed. And I believe now is the time. This is the time, the hour in which this generation begins to set aside the complacent, set aside the carnal, and begins to dive into the supernatural. The past few times I've spoken to my youth group and in random places that I've, I've been asked to, to give words, it's been the same thing that's been in my heart every time, and it's the same thing that's on my heart right now. God is ready for this generation to dive into the supernatural. To have tongues and interpretation in our youth services. To have words of wisdom, words of knowledge, the gift of faith operating in our youth services. Come on, I believe it. I believe it. We've had in the past, in the past two months, I've had tongues and interpretation three times in my youth service. And my youth group is about ten people. Because God is ready to dive into the supernatural with you. He's ready to take you and use you to fulfill all these callings. But... It's how bad do you want it? Will you allow complacency to strip you of that anointing? Or will you be as David? Ever teachable. Ever moldable. I think we give Saul a hard time a lot. <laughs> we think he's awful, but Saul's more like us than anybody else is. Saul's anointed did not get yanked from him because he made a mistake. It got yanked from him because he stayed unteachable. He stayed unmoldable. David was moldable. He wasn't perfect, and you don't have to be. 
But God is desiring some young people who are moldable, some young people who will say, God, I want you to use me, God. I want you to change me. If there's things in here that don't need to be there, take them out, God, because nothing is off limits to you. And these altars are open, and we're going to pray. Lord, I pray right now, in the almighty and all-powerful name of Jesus, that you would remove complacency from the house today, God. That every young man, every young woman, every junior high student, every high school student, every college student, every mother and father and grandmother and grandfather who's in the place today, God, I pray that we would rekindle our desire for the things of the Spirit. We would rekindle our desire for the things of the kingdom, God. That's it. Begin to push however hard you want to push. Begin to press however hard you want to press tonight. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. This is what I want us to do right now. We're going to stretch ourselves a little bit. We're going to kind of break those, those, those bonds of complacency for a second. I want us to pray. I'm going to pray over you. And any uh, ministers... Brandon, any ministers in the house, if you consider yourself a minister in any way, youth pastor, pastor, assistant pastor, evangelist, or you just 
or a man of God, I want you to come and get ready to pray for these young people. This is what I want them to do. We're going to pray over you, okay? We're going to pray supernatural impartation. We're going to pray anointing over you as ministers, as leaders, and you're going to receive it, and it's going to be wonderful. But then this is what you're going to do with it. You're going to turn around, and you're going to use it. You're going to use it. Because in this place right now, there are young men and young women who are needing words from God, who are needing healings, who are needing faith. They are needing all kinds of things. And I think too often we come up to the front and we think the guy with the microphone has got to be the one to pray for me. No, you're going to pray for each other. We're going to begin to, to break through that complacency a little bit. We're going to get to break through that, that I'm complacent with where I am because I'm too young or I'm not a preacher. We're going to break through that a little bit. We're going to let God use us. So ministers, if you would come, and I want you just to turn towards this crowd of young people. All y'all pray for them too. Y'all are all ministers. And we're going to begin to pray some things over you. And if you want these things, if you want what I'm talking about, if you don't, that's fine. Like, you can just sit and that's awesome, whatever. <laughs> but if you desire something special, if you desire to break those chains of complacency a little bit, I want you to throw your hands up in the air with passion and with desire. And I want y'all to begin to find some young people to pray with. Find some of them. Go find some young people to pray with. We're going to begin to impart some things right now. We're going to begin to impart some anointing right now. We're going to begin to release some ministries right now. Yeah. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Let us pray that would be a supernatural impartation of the works of the Spirit right now. By the authority of the Word of God. I bind fear and cast it out. I bind complacency and cast it out. I bind all the hindrances and I cast it out right now. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Lord, let the works of your spirit be evident right now in this house, God. Let the works of your spirit be evident right now in this house, God. That's it, young people. Young man, young woman, when you begin to feel the unction of the Holy Ghost, why don't you begin to minister to your friends right now? Why don't you begin to minister to your youth pastor right now? Why don't you begin to minister to that person next to you right now, young person? Junior high student, high school student, college student, why don't you go ahead and be a minister for the next few moments right now? Let God use you. Let God speak through you, young person. Yes, Jesus, in the name of Jesus.